Welcome and thanks for listening. This is your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Greetings and welcome back. I am Gene Cotter, your host, and today I am extremely excited to welcome Josh Fouts to the show in honor of National Problem Solving Court Month. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Gene, thank you. I am really excited to be here too. We are wrapping up National Problem Solving Court Month. You had the benefit of being in a problem solving court. Josh, can you just tell us a little bit about your path in life and what led you up to your involvement in problem solving court? Sure. Uh, long story short, uh, I came into uh, drug court was the problem solving court I was on. Uh, I started out, uh, I came into a drug court with three DUIs and ultimately a manufacturing charge is what led me to uh, be accepted onto drug court. Uh, so I didn't really think I had any kind of problems. And uh, so we had a really rough start to, to drug court there uh, just because I wasn't really... Uh, a happy member of being uh, accepted onto drug court. So talk about three DUIs and a manufacturing charge. Is that what brought you into court all at that same time? Or that oh. was kind of your history. You got a DUI, you did some jail time, you did a DUI, you spent some time on probation, et cetera. Could you just break that down a little bit more for us? That sounds exactly like what it was. 2002 was my first DUI. I think I got a deferred judgment on that as long as I didn't get in trouble for six months. Uh, I was uh, okay to get my license back and just kind of go on with my life. Uh, my second DUI was uh, an aggravated. Uh, those were both in Iowa. I had a unsupervised probation, so they would uh, just kind of check in on me, call me, but I didn't have to go in and see anybody, anything like that. As long as I stayed out of trouble again, I wouldn't have any kind of re repercussions. Uh, then my third DUI uh, was in was my first in Nebraska, and that was in 2007. Uh, what happened with that one is I got an attorney who argued, uh, again, at the time in 2007, the laws weren't quite as strict. And so he argued that my first was in Nebraska, so it should be counted as my first DUI. Uh, so with that, I just got put on a, a very simple probation. I met a probation officer once a month. Um, I, she just yelled at me a lot because I smelled like weed and I wasn't really doing much of what I was told. Uh, and then eventually my time was just up and... At that point in time, it just had felt like I had no repercussions or serious consequences for any of my decisions up to that point. Uh, I lost my driver's license several times. I did very little jail time for somebody with three DUIs. I think I spent a total of maybe 20 days in jail for those three DUIs. Uh, so it just felt like I could do whatever I wanted uh, without any kind of consequences. Then you roll into uh, 2011. I avoided any jail time between 2007 and 2011. I ended up uh, growing some weed in my closet. I'm not sure how anybody ever knew about it, uh, but uh, I came home one day from work and I had the, uh, looked like the SWAT team, they had all the gear on and they were ready to rock and roll through my house. And uh, that got me a manufacturing charge in Sarpa County here. So, Josh, you talked about a couple things there. One thing you talked about was you kind of felt like you were enabled, didn't feel a lot of repercussions or accountability for things up to a certain point. Earlier, you talked about you had a bit of a rough start in drug court. Talk about your rough start. What made it a rough start? Uh, well, there's a lot of accountability uh, in drug court. And what I noticed really quick is that kind of attitude of not uh, really caring about 
what the consequences of my decisions were. That wasn't going to fly uh, with my probation officer, with the judge. That just wasn't how drug court worked. Um, you know, I came in the first day and we had a little discussion with a couple probation officers. It was me and three other three other guys who had uh, entered into drug court the same day. And I remember arguing the first day right out of the gate about fantasy football because they weren't going to let me play fantasy football. And for some reason, that was the most, uh, the, the worst thing they could have possibly told me was that no fantasy football day one. And so uh, I got off to a rough start with that uh, because fantasy football is a, f- a form of gambling. And I had signed the entrance papers into uh, drug court and they specifically said, as one of the restrictions was no gambling. And so right away, I was just prepared to break the rules, lie about what I was planning on doing day one, right out of the, the first meeting. So then that's what kind of led to a rough start. There was a lot of things like that. I came on to drug court with a, a very low paying job and I was very satisfied with this low paying job. It definitely wasn't living up to what would be expected of somebody who was 32 years old, you know, working a minimum wage job uh, because they didn't drug test there. So you can just kind of imagine that came in with this worldview that, well, I can make whatever decision I want. Uh, it's fine. I don't have a driver's license. It's fine that my job is kind of a joke. Uh, and that just wasn't going to hit the requirements for drug court. What changed? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I was faced with the, uh, the idea that I was either going to jail or I was going to make some serious changes in my life. I had a public defender who suggested drug court as an option for me when I had that manufacturing charge. And he told me, well, drug court's a serious, uh, a serious probation. I had been on probations before where, uh, you know, probation officers yelled at me. Maybe I got a little extra community service, but I was never going to have the possibility of going to jail for uh, not taking a drug test or for uh, showing up late to a meeting. And with drug court, when I got there, they, you know, if you showed up late to your meeting with your probation officer, you weren't going to meet with your probation officer. And there were going to be consequences from the judge uh, the next week when you went to went before him. And that was something I had never really had before, kind of level of uh, if you misbehave or if you do not follow the guidelines that are set out in front of me. The things I agreed to uh, when I signed up for uh, drug court uh, there were going to be consequences. And a lot of it was jail. And I don't know about anybody else, but I don't like to be locked up. I want to have a cheeseburger if I feel like having a cheeseburger today. And if I want to go see a movie, I want to go see a movie. And so the freedom was enough of a, just something I wanted so badly that I started to see that if I followed the guidelines that I had agreed to, I was going to have the freedom to do those kind of things. The alternative was uh, I went to jail. If I kept going to jail and and not doing what I was uh, asked to on drug court, ultimately I would have been uh, kicked off a of drug court and I would have served uh, some kind of prison sentence. What surprised you the most about drug court, especially after you acclimated to it and got over that initial kind of tug of war with yourself and with the problem-solving court staff and whatever? What, uh, what, what surprised you? Just how good things were uh, in a sober life. I had never really, uh, through all those problems, all the DUIs and all the, you know, all the things I'd done, I had never really had uh, much sober time. I'd never really put together uh, a sober life. And uh, as we started to, you know, kind of get those uh, moments of, you know, I've been sober 30 days, 
Uh, I've been sober 60 days, and now uh, you know I have a sponsor now, and I, I have a 90-day chip now. As I started to put those things together, there were these rewards I didn't think I would ever want, and uh, it was things like there was more food in my refrigerator. Uh, you know, I was kind of just the condiment guy before. You know, we had the mayonnaise and the pickles and the ketchup, and that was about all that was in my fridge. And uh, I ended up, I was eating three meals a day, which was kind of a new because I was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and I didn't really know uh, much more than that. Uh, as I started to build uh, friendships that weren't built on uh, who could get me what and who could I help and what can I get out of this relationship, as I built friendships that were uh, based on friendship, those were meaningful and things I hadn't really experienced before. Um, I, I, it's, it seems silly, and if I talk to a normal person, they might not understand how great those those kind of rewards are uh, but as I, as I started to get things like my driver's license back I was crying when I left the DMV it was such an important moment for me uh, because it was those those type of things I didn't achieve before I uh, didn't realize they were possible for me or just didn't want you know my life was basically cool DVD collections and uh, PlayStation trophies that live in my PlayStation they're not real uh, and so as I started to gain things that I guess most normal people, enjoy and like you know i started to like those things too and so there was a real light bulb going off that this sober life is something i wanted to have and wanted to continue with uh, and so i started to leave things behind um the old lifestyle the old friends the old places and kind of forge this new path through a lot of uh, things i didn't know i wanted uh, and so those were the kind of things that kept me going and, and made it really really exciting to to be where i was at you got to have that hamburger whenever you want instead of just a condiment sandwich, something to use those can condiments on, right? Yeah. Uh, so much better when you start enjoying life and the little sim simple things uh, like being able to go out and, and get a cheeseburger, a chocolate milkshake. Oh, boy, we spent a lot of time getting ice cream. Oh. Josh, something that stood out to me there was you talked about your experience at the DMV when you got your license back. Mm -hmm. Another big thing about problem-solving courts is you don't go through anything alone, right? The high, the high times, the low times. So when you're celebrating, I got my driver's license back or I got my 90-day chip, you're not doing that by yourself. You have an entire support system that's surrounding you. That's, that is the truth. Uh, we were encouraged to spend a lot of time with peers. And I just remember there were guys uh, through my journey on drug court that were uh, had been there longer. There's a guy who had been on drug court maybe a year and a half when I got to drug court. He just kind of took me under his wing, and I spent a lot of time learning how drug court worked. Uh, you know, it was just like if you go to a meeting, get your card signed. It was this, the little information he kept giving to me. Uh, and those guys I came in with day one on drug court, we were friends all the way through drug court. Uh, still connected with some of those guys. Uh, still talk to some of those guys on a regular basis. So keeping in touch with a lot of those people uh, was really important. And I know I left uh, my drug court. I graduated in 2014. I've stayed very active in the drug court here in Sarpy County. I've come back to alumni meetings, and I've come to the men's group that they have once a week. And I've tried to stay active here because I just remember it's such a good reminder for me that here are all these knuckleheads that are on drug court, and they're just like me. Uh, they're just having that the problems getting this, the tough starts, and they're arguing probation officers day one or showing up late to meetings. And I go, these are the things I struggled with too, and you don't have to. Here's how we got through some of those things. And so you're right. 
keeping that peer group and, you know, every time a driver's license was gotten back, uh, the judge was mentioned in court and there would be clapping and the people would applaud. Uh, so we are kind of all in that together in that kind of regard. Yeah. How weird is that? Because I think about 2007, Josh, could you imagine sitting in a room where there was a prosecutor and a police officer and a judge and probation officers and you were all talking about things in collaboration with each other instead of you having to like look over your shoulder and think, what's what's this all about? Being part of that team, including all of those people you just talked about. Yeah, uh, it was definitely a lot different feeling than when I, when I came in. Uh, that was the one thing. There was a lot of... Uh, Trust issues. I wasn't a very trustworthy person when I got put on drug court. I had just spent a lot of time uh, lying and doing whatever I could to get my way. And uh, there was a lot of trust building, not just with the peers, but with uh, my probation officer. I remember uh, early on, this is one of those things I struggled with early on, was I was very afraid to be put into a, a three-quarter way house, uh, you know, a sober living house. And I was just, uh, I didn't want any part of that. And I remember I had a conversation with my probation officer, and she mentioned that, um, well, you will screen for a house, and then maybe we'll have a conversation afterwards and see how how things go. And I remember I went to the screening, and I was reluctant. I was fearful that I just didn't want to live with all these strangers. I lived on my own for 15 years and just didn't want to have anybody in my space or be in anybody else's space. And I remember the gentleman I screened with said, hey, you know, if they sent you to me, that means you're going to live here. And I just remember leaving that meeting going, oh, she said we were going to have a conversation about this. And, you know, like that, that's what she told me. And um, the next week in court, uh, that they, they had had that conversation and they decided to not move me into that, that three-quarter way house. And so uh, for me, that, that kind of trust that was built in that small moment of, you know, she said she was going to do this and she she followed through uh, were some of the things that, you know, just kind of led me to believe that maybe I should listen to some of the things and some of the ideas that they have here. Josh, as you're going through things, I know that if you look at the totality of a program, especially if somebody coming in the front door, you think about, oh my gosh, I have to drug test so many times a week and people are coming to my house and I have to do this class and men's group and support group and MRT and I have to have a job and I have to do these things. It, it can seem a little bit overwhelming up front. Talk a little bit, if you would, about how somebody would overcome that. And of all the components that I just talked about, is there any one or two things that stands out to you as having been the most beneficial to you as you went through your program? Sure. I know that uh, I didn't do, I didn't grow into the uh, the drug court program very easily without other people. I came in without a driver's license, so uh, it was beneficial for me to ask for help from my peers. And I, I know that uh, as I grew through the drug court and got farther and farther along and leveled up, that uh, it became my responsibility to help somebody else get to those places and to drive other people around. Uh, so I think a lot of what uh, that that peer group was kind of what got me through a lot of that early stuff because there is so much, uh, you know, it was it was having the job and coming every week with a paycheck stub and it was going through a schedule and writing down my schedule each week for my probation officer and it is overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff to do, uh, but here were these other people that had been on the same court for a year and they were doing it just fine. And so you kind of look to them for some advice, and generally they're really helpful. Uh, you know, th this is how I do it. Let me give you a tip. Show up to every meeting you've got for, 
with at least 10 minutes, then you're not late for sure. And so it was those little drops of information that really kind of kept me going through a lot of the tough stuff because you're right, you know, you go through IOP and then you go through, uh, you know, so much. Uh, so early on, I'm thinking back to it and there was just MRT was, wow, I forget about MRT sometimes. Uh, but yeah, there was just so much going on. And so you weren't doing anything alone. You were doing it with a lot of other people. And that was kind of the best thing about it because they would help you and you would help them. And then you kind of felt obligated by the end to help out the next guy down the, down the road. And MRT is moral recognition therapy, which is a thinking program, right? And it sounds to me like that's where the biggest challenge lies for people is thinking about things differently. I've thought about things this way for 17 years or 30 years or however many years it's been. And now I have to think about things differently to put things in perspective to achieve my goals. Is that kind of what you got from like MRT and yeah. some of the rest of the program? Uh, MRT was a, it was a really great experience. I didn't like it at the time um, because you were so focused with uh, the group and, you know, it, it our drug court had MRT towards the end of uh, your stay on drug court. And so he just kind of wanted to rush through it as fast as possible. And so I, you know, I had the impression it was going to be very easy and it, it was a lot of work. There was a lot of writing things down, a lot of following directions. Uh, but ultimately I had such a good time and I still have my MRT workbook and every now and then I will pull it out and I will look at some of the goals I had there. And I've got things crossed out that I'd forgotten I'd put in there, but you know, when you start writing down what you want out of life instead of just what you feel it gives you, it really kind of gives you the push you need for a lot of those things that you want. But yeah, MRT was a really great experience. I really, really enjoyed it. You kind of get out of the program what you put into it. If I am if I'm Josh Fouts of 2007 and I'm standing here on the brink of making a decision between do I want to keep getting the same old, same old, or do I want to make changes? What would you tell somebody as far as take a chance? If you're being offered an opportunity to problem-solve in court, take it, and here's why. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot. Uh, I think about Josh on day one and what he was feeling, and there was just a lot of fear uh, of not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, you know, there was so much uh, pressure because they wanted to know so much right away. Uh, you know, let's you know, let's get your paycheck stubs and what do you do on Tuesday nights? And there was a lot to go through. Uh, I just remember that was a very scared person uh, who probably just needed a hug to say it was going to be okay. Give this a chance. Coming out the other end, uh, I look back on my experience in drug court and what a life-changing uh, event it was. Uh, you know, I don't get sober uh, if I don't go through drug court. I don't spend, uh, you know, the first uh, year of sobriety thinking, you know, ah, this is only going to last two years. And when I'm done, I can, I can move to some place where I can smoke weed and I can drink whatever I want. Uh, you know, and then you live that life, that sober life for a while and things get so good. Uh, you start to enjoy the cheeseburgers and you start to enjoy the freedom and, uh, you understand what the consequences of bad decisions are. And, um, Moving into the second year when I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay sober. This is worth having. Uh, drug court instantly changed into something I was very happy to be a part of. You know, I, I realized the gift I was being given there uh, about halfway through. And uh, once I kind of realized that, uh, it was easy. 
drug court became such a pleasure to be. It, it was nice going to see my probation officer. Uh, it was okay going to MRT. I was going to see my friends on drug court rather than just my peers. Uh, so somewhere in that in that time, it had changed because I made the decision. This was something I really wanted uh, for the rest, you know, of my time here. And so, uh, I don't know. Those first those first weeks were so difficult, and there was so much to complain about because life was so unfair. And coming out the other end and going, this was the best thing, the best decision I've ever made was to uh, be a part of something that could change my life so greatly. Not even realizing how much I did not enjoy life beforehand uh, to something that I really cherished afterwards. My time on drug court, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Josh, in honor of National Problem Solving Court Month, we continue to celebrate you. We continue to celebrate the current, past, and future problem-solving court participants, and we thank you for your time today. Thank you very much. I, I really enjoyed being here. This has been another episode of Your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review us on your favorite podcast platform.